Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, the 25th of August. Welcome back to another morning meeting. Marcus, over to you for the overnight. Uh, overnight, right. Yes, well, not a lot happening overnight. Dow Jones was up 60. The futures morning were up 31. I think when I looked at the market, it was up 31. The S&P 500 up 0.3%, NASDAQ up 0.4%, so not a lot going on. BHP and Rio were both down overnight in the US, but both prices are up a little bit today. Energy was the best sector in the US overnight. Bond yields are creeping up ahead of Jackson Hole. Everybody's talking about Jackson Hole because there doesn't seem to be anything else to talk about at the moment. My prediction is that Jackson Hole will not pass any new messages. And I think as it goes past, there won't be anything disastrous. And I think therefore the market will like it. These these uh, Jackson Hole symposium speeches, they're not really the time for an individual like Powell to change policy on us. So I think it will be run of the mill stuff anyway. The market nervous of that. So narrow range, low volume, bond yields creeping up into it. Uh, the oil price up a bit, up 1%, gold up 0.1, iron ore up 0.2. You can see lots of point some things means it's pretty pointless at the moment. Lots of ex-dividends around. Tom will tell us about those. BHP ex-dividend next Thursday. I'll talk about that in my strategy piece. The main story perhaps today is the Japanese. Henry, I think, will tell us about that and uh, what it means for some of the uranium stocks. I'm also watching a video of an $11.3 million super yacht sinking in Italy just when you thought it was safe to go below decks. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Marcus. And let's head over to you, Tom, with the local market. Thank you, Chichi. Well, our market having a good day, up 28 points above that 7,000 level. Energy and miners are outperforming. Most sectors are in positive territory on this super Thursday of results. Healthcare and consumer staples in the red. However, uranium names, as Marcus was talking about, bid higher as Japan mulls a nuclear power push, combat soaring energy prices, Paladin PDN up more than 8%. But it is all about results today. Nine standing out up 6.5%. They announced a $300 million profit and a buyback plan. Qantas doing well up 8.8% despite a $1.9 billion loss but they are optimistic on the outlook. They see domestic capacity at 95% of pre-COVID levels in the first half of FY23, and they are planning a $400 million buyback as well. Woolworths down 3%. Sorry, who was that? That was Qantas, 400 Qantas million. Qantas with yeah. a buyback. Yes. Was. Qantas buying back. They raised billions in the pandemic, and now they're buying back their own shares. Yeah, yeah. The share price has been going sideways in the trading range. It's just coming off the bottom of the trading range. You know, might be worth a look, but you You'd hardly yeah, call it a it's quality or growth stock. Would you? Closing in on that $5 level, I think it was. Right. Uh, yes, Woolworths, they're suffering down 3%. They did have a profit jump on the demerger of Endeavor Groups, which had that worse than expected result the other day. But Woolworths expects another challenging year ahead. South 32 doing well on results, up almost 4%. Zip is surprisingly up 1% despite hosting a billion-dollar loss which we found out was due to write-downs in goodwill and intangible assets. So Zip... A $1.1 really... $1. billion loss. I mean, what is this company's market cap? I know, it's, it's just it's obscene, not, it's not isn't it? But there you market go. Cap is $670 million is the market cap. So clearing the decks, again, might be a catalyst for an improvement in people's sense of idiocy. Yes, exactly. And another story of the day, Perpetual is acquiring Pendle. So PPT to acquire Pendle, PDL, and Pendle shareholders will receive one Perpetual 
share for every 7.5 Pendle shares plus almost $2 in cash for each Pendle share as well. So a good deal for the Pendle shareholders. REA Group is flat and JB Hi-Fi down more than 4%. They're both trading ex-dividends. So REA Group shaking off that dividend nicely and Newcrest Mining ex-dividend tomorrow, Marcus. Thank you very much for that, Tom. And let's head over to you, Leighton, with the brokers. Anything exciting from them? Thank you, Chi-Chi. There's a little bit of excitement out there this morning. I'm looking at Domino's. They were up 7.6% on their results yesterday. There's only three updates this morning, and that was a buyer from UBS, an ad from Morgan's, and Credit Suisse just has a neutral recommendation there. And the brokers have noted that energy, food, and labor inflation remain as key challenges for the franchise. But the approach for Australia, New Zealand, and Japan is being implemented throughout Europe, which is where the main concerns are. And it was also noted that Domino's announced it will acquire 100% of operations in Malaysia, Singapore, and Cambodia. And the average target price of the updates this morning is sitting at $83.98, which implies a 16.5% upside. It's one of those stocks that has come off enormously. I think it fell about 59% from the top in almost a straight line. Interesting to see results and a bounce in the stock after results because results do de-risk a company and do mm -hmm. tend to start trends. Unfortunately, it's still hard to buy because it's on a PE of 33 and a yield of two and a half. You know, if it was sitting on 20 times and 4% yield, you'd be buying it hand over fist. But maybe results for the catalyst for the bottom on dominoes. But anyway. Yeah. And also taking a look at Cole's group, that's COL. They've received a pretty similar response from the brokers this morning, despite falling 4.5% on their results yesterday. There's an outperform from Macquarie, an ad from Morgans, and neutrals from UBS and Credit Suisse. And there was also a buy yesterday from City that came through. So while the brokers have lowered earnings forecasts for the next couple of years, positive recommendations have remained due to the defensive nature of the business looking attractive in a weaker economic environment. And the average target price there is $17.65, which implies a 9.5% upside. And just one more that I had this morning, Morgan's has upgraded Tab Corp, that's T-A-H, to an ad and lifted its target price to $1.20, which implies a 25% upside. Thank you, Chi-Chi. Thank you, Leighton. We're going to head over to you, Henry, for Henry's take. I believe you're still in love with the lithium story. Well, I am, Chi-Chi. I have to apologise for getting out of Pilbara Minerals too early. I was a little bit too cautious and they have kicked on a little bit further. Also, just looking at Zip, the results, the stock price is starting to perk up. I didn't take a position before the results, but I am doing a live wire thing on them. And it does look as if the market is warming to the recovery story and focusing more on growth at a reasonable rate as opposed to just going nuts and trying to get customers and costing 1.1 billion in losses, which is a huge amount of money that they seem to have ripped up. And uh, when you look through the figures in terms of customer acquisition, it just seems to cost them an absolute fortune to get a customer on board. So that, that is obviously a negative, but the market is warming to it and there is a big short position. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this one run. As far as the uranium story goes, the Japanese have recommitted to their nuclear power industry, which obviously was under a bit of a cloud, a radioactive cloud since Fukushima, but they have committed to that. And you'll notice today in the runners and riders that are doing very well are the likes of Alligator Energy, Bannerman, uh, Paladin's doing well, and that should continue to kick higher. The uranium price kicked last night and uranium stocks in the US were better. So Paladin's up 11.5%. Boss Energy doing well as well. Alligator Energy, for those that are interested, we did a on the couch with their CEO a little while ago. So that looks interesting. 
And apart from that, the quest for balance, as ABC Media would do. Yesterday, I looked at the bear case for the market. Today, looking at the bull case for the market. And the major takeaway is that record unemployment is certainly a factor. And it's hard to see a massive crunch and a massive recession when we have that record unemployment. The other thing that is really helping the market is that the results are generally pretty good. They have been not bad at all. And company guidance has been a little better than anticipated. So that is certainly playing into the bull's hands. And we are seeing a rally today, although market conditions remain relatively thin and it's very much confined to energy stocks to some extent. Funnily enough, all the staples are getting smacked as well. Those coals, the woolies, the endeavours, all those staples that were supposed to be inflationary hedges have been smacked. So interesting there. And finally, as I'm heading off overseas tomorrow, just to remind people that if they're interested in FinFest, which is the equity make financial conference, but it is a conference not as you know it, Jim. It is going to be very different, I think, to normal conferences. And and Marcus today was sponsors of that conference or that uh, financial festival. We do have a booth there and we will be giving some presentation and giving pitches on our favourite stocks. It's sure to be a lot of fun. Tickets are pretty cheap as well. They're only 47 bucks in October. Finally, I just recorded the last education session that I gave to the kids on Monday night to the school. If anyone's interested in that, they can find that under the education tap i'm sure it's up there it runs for about an hour so that's the final of four that's it and that's october the 15th for anyone that missed the date for finfest and that is in sydney so we will see you in sydney on october the 15th and i will put a link to buy tickets underneath the podcast and let's move over to you ben i believe you have the long-term investor section anything exciting and updated for our members yes i do thank you cheech nothing too exciting just uh, working our way through results we've had a couple of good ones, a couple of not so good ones in the last couple of days. As Henry just said, the supermarkets have been struggling a little bit. We had Woolies today down 3%, Coles down 45 yesterday, but not overly concerning. On the good side, though, of our portfolio holdings, yesterday we had Sonic and WiseTech reports. Sonic Healthcare up 6%, WiseTech up 12%. We've talked about how we like WiseTech in the past and we do hold it. So nice to see that there. We've got a few more results to come still. Linus, Oz Minerals, Wes Farmers tomorrow, Mineral Resources and Fortescue on Monday and Woodside rounding things out for us on Tuesday. The portfolio has been tracking reasonably well over the last week, down week, of course. So negative performance, but a little over half percent ahead of the ASX 200, which is always good to see our performance. And we've got our portfolio X-ray, which we talked about yesterday. The main gist there is everything in that top right green corner for this portfolio. Of course, we use the quality versus momentum. So high quality stocks going in the right direction. There's only a few not sitting in that nice green zone, which Stockopedia calls good leading stocks that tend to outperform. And they sit just just out, they are REA and Goodman Group, which happen to have very high quality ratings, but just lagging a bit on momentum and clean away, which is just sitting out as well with some good momentum, a little bit lower in quality. The top right corner, the very pointy end there, we have WiseTech, which showed the results backed up the high quality status there, Aristocrat Leisure, PME, and Data3. So a bit there for the long-term investors. Thank you, Chichi. Thank you, Ben. And let's head to you, Marcus. You're cashed up in the strategy portfolio. Uh, Anything exciting you're going to be doing with the cash? Yes, we sold a couple of things yesterday. We sold ATEC, which is that ETF, which matches the Australian Alltech Index, which is bond yields pick up. And as the Alltech sector tips over the top, I've got out of and the other one we sold was GGUS, which is the ETF geared one and a half times to the S&P 500, just as the markets tip over the top. We've got out of that. That has left us with 30% cash. 
I think that is a reasonable holding considering the global nervousness about Jerome Powell's speech on Friday. Although I do have the comment, as I've said earlier, that these or experience tells me that these speeches are not used to make radical policy changes. Usually it just repeats the message from or the latest message, which was about a slightly less aggressive Fed after the recent CPI peak. And if that's the case, it should be quite good, I think, and unlikely to contain any strong new message, which will be disaster avoided, is my guess, is how the market will anticipate that. But I will obviously write that up on Saturday morning. Otherwise, the potential problem, if we're going to look at the problems, the potential problem is if the Fed start or if Powell talks about or if other Jackson Hole symposium speeches uh, talk about looking at the over their shoulder at Europe because something is going on in Europe. Have a look at bond yields. I've put bond yields for Portugal, Spain, France, Germany and Britain in the strategy piece today. Bond yields are ripping up and presumably this is to do with the energy price, to do with concerns about inflation having another leg up and concerns that interest rates will have to ramp up in, in Europe in order to get on top of it. So this is the an X factor for our market. Powell may highlight it. It could become a factor. Either way, it wouldn't be good for equities and isn't good for equities. So I've put charts in today of the S&P 500, NASDAQ, ASX 200, and the stocks 600, which is the biggest 600 stocks in Europe. Just have a look at those. It's short term. They're all rolling over the top at the moment, hence cashing up a little bit. And Henry and I both on the same vibe this week, which is let's take a few profits. And although we do seem to have gone a bit early in lithium, both of us, but we can always buy it back later. I also want to get back into 29 metals at some point, which is that copper play, which I think at some point, if we can get another buying opportunity, could well be the next bid target after the BHP bid for Oz Minerals. In the ideas portfolio, we're down to BHP and Oz Minerals, which are up 8% and 40% at the moment. Now, I've also included in the strategy piece today, just a chart on BHP, which is what I did on Telstra yesterday. It's got an 8% dividend coming up, big dividend. And you are going to be swapping a bit of capital loss for income plus franking on Thursday, I think it is September the 1st, next week. Obviously, there's going to be a share price fall. But if you have a look at the chart, every time BHP goes ex-dividend, apart from the one day where it drops, and it's going to drop 8% in a day, apart from the one day that it drops, does tend to start a trend for the next month, or in some cases, three months. There's obviously other drivers there, coal price, copper price, iron ore price. But point made, when BHP goes ex-dividend, people desert it for some period of time. So if you're not interested in income, you might think about selling it before it goes ex-dividend. And lastly, I've written up a little piece on mortgage rates doubling, which might interest some of you. One of our members sent me a clip of his uh, reference rate from his bank he was paying under 3%. He's now paying 4.54% on his investment loan. That's up 50% in a year. And with interest rates expected to go up another 1.35% going to the bond market, it is going to go to 6%. So he's gone from 3% to 6% in probably a year and a half which means mortgage repayments have doubled. So I've done a few calculations on that. What is the average price, I would ask you, of a home in Australia? Well, it's 800000 in New South Wales. 
it's 618,000 in Australia on average, 652,000 in Victoria. And if you take the average mortgage paying 3%, you were paying 18,500 per annum just over a year ago. By next year, it's probably going to be costing you double that, 37,100 if rates get to 6%. So if you earn $100,000 per annum after tax at $75,000 per annum, in which case you're going to be paying half your earnings into your mortgage if you have an average mortgage. There you go. So mortgage rates are having an impact. That's going to reflect on consumer spending, obviously, and that's the idea of raising rates. Anyway, plenty of fun in the strategy section today. Thank you very much for that, Marcus. I'm definitely going to be paying attention and reading that article to get some tips on how I can pay my mortgage. And Have you got a mortgage sheet? Not quite yet, but I was planning oh, okay. on, but I don't know now. <laughs> you need to go somewhere where they pay you handsome amounts and yes. get, get, get that million dollar mortgage. <laughs> get yourself a luxury yacht. <laughs> 11.3 million, that'll cost you. Well, let's move over to our question of the day. I struggle with this one to find an answer for myself. What is your peak sporting moment? I'm more of a creative. Let's move over to you, Henry. Thanks. Chi I have a couple. One is scoring the winning penalty for the over 35s Avalon soccer team in the semi-finals against Forest Kalani, which were our nemesis on various different occasions. Certainly turning around to the boys and uh, lifting my shirt and celebrating was certainly one of the highlights aspect of their sporting careers as well. But the other one that I remember quite vividly is uh, back in my youth, I did the Stock Exchange has a London to Brighton walk, which is uh, 80 kilometres, about 55 miles. And you have to do it in under 12 hours to qualify for a medal and I did it in 11 hours 47 and collapsed on the finish line at the Brighton Marina as it was being built in those days and I have to say considering I did no training it was an interesting escapade and you can't run you have to walk so 55 miles it was somewhat an interesting experience but it was certainly a great achievement I thought fantastic you definitely got your 10,000 steps in there did you come away with all of your 10 toenails as well I lost about eight I lost four on each and I collapsed in the shower and my mate Johnny Alder had to drag me out of the shower and give me a beer to revive me that was uh, i think i was about 23 years old so it was a few years ago okay i'm glad you made it to us let's move over to you tom well I definitely won't be talking about coming last in the head of the river two years in a row but like <laughs> if, you, if you don't have any sporting moments tom just admit it <laughs> but completing the melbourne marathon in 2018 was a very rewarding experience Running into the MCG, pretty pretty special. Yeah, that's about what was, something. What was the time? I can't remember. There's more than five hours. I think it says it on the more medal. The medal that's just sitting on your desk that you show everyone all the time. I think it says the time. Yeah, no, it was. It wasn't an amazing pace. I think it was just six minute Ks. I don't know. If that's not a five hour marathon. That would have brought you in four and a half hours. Oh, it might have been four and a half. It was definitely six six minute Ks. I don't know from tracking you as you were doing it. You went out very fast. Uh, yes. I think you did the first twenty in about an hour and a half. <laughs> And in the back 20, you crawled. Did you walk at all? I completed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main participation. Let's move over to you, Ben. Mine, I played a couple of premierships as a junior, which was good. But my peak personal was hitting 43 of nine balls in a game of cricket. Oh, wow. For playing school cricket in year nine. And it, you had to retire at 40. And the last five balls was a fresh over five sixes had the chance to do the perfect over if you hit 40 come in oh, oh no surely someone just said so that was your peak one. sporting disappointment yeah really yeah there's a good one and a bad one but how about yourself Leighton I haven't had a whole lot of success as a team orientated sporting career so far my juniors was full of a lot of horrible horrible losses but in the under 18s I won the best and fairest when I was 16 I think this so for the AFL footy yeah yeah footy yeah that's Very good. good and how about yourself Marcus 
Oh, well, I've got so many. Where do I start? I mean, I could talk to you about getting a black belt in karate, which the good thing about that was finishing six years of relentless three days a week grind. So it wasn't really the achievement. It was the thank God that's over. <laughs> then there was the New York Marathon, ran with Emma. Uh, do you want to ask me my time? What was, what was your time? <laughs> I started in the dark and I finished in the dark. Okay, that, that was my time. So did you run more? Did you run it with Emma? Or did you? <laughs> no, she ran it quite separately from me. But my peak sporting moment, without a doubt, was playing in the under-11s cricket for Felton Fleet, my prep school. And myself and Piers Risley Pritchard bowled out Ripley Court for two runs. And I was the most expensive bowler who had one runner hit off him and one extra. So there you go. I'm going to tie that up. So six for one were my bowling <laughs> thing. And Risley Pritchard was four for nil. And we put them back in they stupidly put them back into bat and we got them out for 13 so you know, my backup one was winning a cricket premiership reverse outright so we lost the first innings so quickly it was only supposed to be a one innings game we lost the first innings so quickly there was enough time to do a second innings and we won that so we won the premiership <laughs> and chi chi what's your peak sporting moment i was hoping to slip right there, but... <laughs> there you go other than high school hockey and maybe basketball defender positions and winning, you know, championships there. That's more impressive than all of them. <laughs> yeah. But I think mine would be part of the Olympic Council in 2012, being part of the delegation that put together some arts and creative programs for the council, some of the voting people. So I think that's my card. Kind of that's really cool. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. Awesome. Yes, you are actually a closet performer. <laughs> One day we will find out your resume. There's a few trouble performers in Marcus today, stage, actually. Yes. That's very much some musicians and singers, Marcus. Well, Henry is off to London and his first point of call is to go to the Globe, sure. uh, which is on the banks of the Thames. And he, I think he's watching Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, and uh, I hope they know he's coming because they're going to have to gaffer tape him <laughs> to his seat <laughs> to stop him getting up and regaling London with his version of we might lose him Much to the Ado stage. About yes. Nothing. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Right. Well, thanks, everyone. Have a good day of investing and we'll see you back tomorrow. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.